This is the Tribe of Millionaires podcast from GoBundance. The tribe of healthy, wealthy, generous people who choose to live epic lives. Listen Tuesdays for featured guests and Fridays for GoBundance member spotlights. But listen always to hear how our guests have grabbed life big. Now, here's your host, Jamie Gruber. What's going on, everybody? Welcome to the show. This week's guest, Dr. Michaeline Rule, is a psychologist and expert in psychedelic integration. And what I wanted to do with Michaeline, Dr. Michaeline, this week is uh, share my experience. I actually went through a psychedelic experience for the first time ever. I've never smoked a joint. I was, you know, straight lace kid or whatever, uh, and had found my way to wanting to explore, I guess, my consciousness and explore reality for that matter. Uh, so I went through for myself. Uh, I guess a mushroom ceremony, a psilocybin ceremony where I, I ate five grams of mushrooms and then went to a place I'd never been before. Uh, what Dr. Michaeline Rule does is when somebody goes through that experience, she will uh, help that person maybe understand, answer questions and all of that based on the research she's done in this field. Uh, and I'm going to actually just open up and share what my experience was and let her maybe guide me through and hopefully it helps many of you what that was and and how it how it's helped me unlock some things in my life that I honestly didn't expect it would. So, Dr. Michaeline Rule, welcome. Hey, thank you so much. I am so honored to be here. No, it's great to have you. It's great to have you. So let's let's start with this. So, what is I kind of explained it a bit, but what does an expert in psychedelic integration mean? What is psychedelic integration? What's what do you do in that regard? So the integration process is really about weaving what you've learned on that journey, that special ceremony that you went through, and weaving it into your life. And so because during those um, journeys, what will happen is that people see all these different things, they release, they they then are able to see, okay, here's my next steps. And the important thing is to actually take action on those steps. And that's what integration really helps to do is to start to take the action that you need to, to, um, to essentially live what you learned. Um, because people call, do these journeys um, to expand themselves, to learn more about themselves, to get in touch with places that they can't in this state of consciousness. And so to be able to then make that conscious, which is part of the integration, we talk about it. What did you experience? What were you shown? And then they take that and are able to weave that in their life. So it's like, oh, wait, I have a boss that treats me X way. And this is what I learned. You know, I went back to the time when I was bullied and realized that ah, this is why it's triggering me. Now, what can I do and how can I heal that part from way back to come and bring it into my life now? So it really shows you all the the, the challenging things in your life, but also the joy and bliss as well. So what's the, di so I, you know, I know a bunch of guys then when they're 22 years old, they trip on shrooms, right? It's kind of a mm -hmm. common, common saying or whatever. What's the difference between that where it's just like, you know, and, and the people that come to you who have gone through this, like, how is there a distinction between like, are you just doing mushrooms and getting high and whatever? Like how, how are they seeing or, or having, having experiences that they then need to figure out how to integrate into their life? What's the difference between 22 year old at a party and, you know, me, 40 year old dude who goes for who, go, who goes to uh, to experience something maybe outside of his normal consciousness. 
Well, the biggest thing is that when you do it recreationally, you know, there's no intention set. It's really about setting and setting. And so when you do it with a therapeutic um, piece in mind, the set and setting is very important. It's very sacred. You're us- you're usually, um, and I hope that you're with someone you trust that will, you know, sit for you and be there for you and who's sober as well. Usually when you do it when you're 20-something and, and are at a rave or something, it's, it's nobody sober and everyone's, you know, what they call tripping. I don't call it tripping because in that sacred space, it's not. It's really a very much a ceremony. So that would be the biggest difference is that set and setting. The other thing is normally when you're out there doing it recreationally, nobody is there to integrate with you. You may have had, you know, people call them bad trips. Really, they're not. They're part of the healing process. But when you're out there and you're looking just to have fun and then this happens, it's very scary. And so there's no one there for people to, you know, to lean on and say, well, what is happening? This is what I'm, I'm experiencing right now. So those are the biggest thing. There's no one there to kind of protect you and watch over you and guide you. So it's not very therapeutic at all. It's just going to have a good time. And it can turn out kind of um, wrong, per se, because, you know, the, the psilocybin has a spirit to it. And so the the spirit of the mushroom can be like, mm, you know, this is not proper. So I might, you know, they're also known as tricksters. And so um, the biggest, biggest thing is please don't, <laughs> please don't do it recreationally, at least that much, right? When you have people taking as much as you experience, it's very, very different. Yeah. You know, I'm sure you didn't feel like you could get up and walk around and- no. You know, no. And, and it's, yeah, as you said, the, the, uh, the intention had to be there because otherwise, and I'll, I'll talk about my experience here in a little bit. Um, and I'll share with you, but like for me, yeah, it would have been a bad trip if it was just like, I was out to have fun. I could see that I've never done that before, but the, it, it took a dark turn for me at one point. And I want to, I want to get into that with you and get your, your feelings and uh, not even feelings, but your advice and, uh, help you help me integrate that. Um, but yeah, like the the uh, I can see that bad trip element if you're around a bunch of people with the intention of having fun, and this thing is showing you this 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 spirit, the the, the psilocybin, the mushroom is showing you something that you need to see. Uh, yeah, that would be a little bit scary. Um, so give me some history on this for, from your perspective. So you're obviously researching uh, uh, psychedelics, the history of them. I come from the the 80s with Nancy Reagan and don't do drugs. And I did dare in first grade or whatever, right? Like, so this stuff is to me, especially when I first heard of it. And just for context, where I first heard of the idea of psychedelics was probably like Joe Rogan or Tim Ferriss. And it's like, okay, those guys are those guys, right? But then as I got around in abundance, I got around a bunch of guys that are, that are probably at the higher level of financial success who have a very big life. It was interesting to me how many of those folks would talk about uh, psilocybin, MDMA, ayahuasca, LSD, these things, these things, as, as I say them out loud, it's like what a bunch of rich guys and their designer drugs kind of thing, but not using them just to go party and have fun and raves in Vegas, but how they use them therapeutically with intention to expand their consciousness. One guy called it a second opinion on reality, which was awesome. I love that mm-hmm. phrasing. That's a great, great phrasing. 
So I, for me, I got exposed to it through that. And then it was just sort of like I researched, I read, there's a book, Michael Pollan's book, uh, uh, How to Change Your Mind, I think it is. Um, mm-hmm. So there's a lot of research on this. But for those who are maybe hearing this for the first time, like, dude, I listen to your podcast and it's cool. You talk to these, you know, really rich people about how they invested in this or invested in that. Like, where are you going here? Can you give a little bit of the science, if you would, or the backstory on psychedelics from uh, however far back you think it needs to go to kind of shape the story? Well, yeah, I mean, it it starts thousands of years ago, to be honest, where, you know, indigenous peoples began using it in their own ceremonies to enlighten themselves to, for lack of a better description, level up and in their very, very sacred ceremonies. Um, And even so much, you know, they would use it to and we we don't have this in the U.S., unfortunately, you know, when someone comes of age. Right. You you have a, a bar mitzvah, a bat mitzvah, but or a quinceanero. But in the United States, we don't have certain things like that. And back in the indigenous peoples, they would use it for those kinds of ceremonies as well. And so it's not that it's it's this is a brand new thing. It's just a, a new thing here. And back in the 80s, I grew up in the 80s, too. Um, you know, just say no and all that good stuff. I was a part of D.A.R.E. for a little bit. As well. But what I've come to realize through all the research and whatnot is this is truly plant medicine. They use these plants for medicinal purposes. And to me, the whole illegalization of it all was very political. It was a political move and it wasn't and for various reasons. But there have been there was research back then, right, in the 60s and 70s about all these different things that you mentioned, especially psilocybin, LSD, and you know MDMA wasn't quite there yet, but it was helping people, and it they were realizing, wow, psychologically this could really help people to microdose to do these certain things, and then it became illegal, and boom, all of the research was dropped, yeah. but maps. Um, and Rick Dobin, he's been doing this for 10 years now, trying to get the FDA to approve his thing, his uh, MDMA treatments, psilocybin treatments, and even cannabis treatments for uh, especially veterans and PTSD. And they have found they have paperwork years and years now. Um, and now they're, I believe, in the third tier of their clinical trial, which is basically they could be approved as soon as next year or the year after um, to use this treatment legally. And so um, that is exciting. And then the the one fear that I have is now the pharmaceutical companies are going to try to figure out how to come and take this plant. Because to me, what the pharmaceutical companies give us are drugs. Yeah. And what these are, these plant medicines like ayahuasca and psilocybin, and um, San Pedro and all those different things are medicines. And so I kind of have the different view, the flip view of that. And um, just seeing people in my practice, you know, who come to see me for the integration pieces, um, their growth, their awareness, um, their ability to then kind of shift the depression, shift the anxiety um, symptoms and things like that have been amazing. And that's what the studies have been showing through MAPS and some other places like Johns Hopkins and things like that. 
is that, wow, this is really helpful for those people, you know, who drugs or the pharmaceutical, you know, medications aren't working quite as well for, um, because it works with your body. Um, there's natural things in your body. It's more natural. It's a plant. And, um, one of the cool things is not only can it sh shift your consciousness, you go into another state of consciousness, but also physiologically, it works on the connections in your brain as well. And so um, there's just so many benefits. It also helps with pain um, and and that well, kind of thing. Even even addiction, if I'm not mistaken, yes. right? I think I've you know if we talk about oh well, uh, I'm a I'm a I'm a recovering addict. Um, you know, uh, whatever the drug may be, cocaine, uh, mm -hmm. alcohol. Um, so I can't do something like, and you know, each to each their own. I mean, this isn't right. to advise anybody who's an addict on what they should or shouldn't do. But in my research, me reading about this, it was a lot of people who have addiction issues actually use this because I don't believe from what I've seen in the research that there are any addictive properties with say a psilocybin. Is that accurate? That's accurate. That's accurate. Um, there are no physiological addictions. Um, some people might get addicted to the spirituality piece, sure, of it, yeah. you know, the being. <laughs> I think I am. Travel. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, but there are no there are no physical addictions to it, um, yeah. and there and especially with psilocybin, there are no overdose worries. You can take too much, and then you'll just be way, way, way out, and it it defeats the whole purpose. Uh, but you can't. Uh, there is no overdose of it. Interesting. Yeah, that makes sense. That makes sense. Wow. So, all right. And if I remember right, I think I read even uh, back to the 30s, there was research uh, produced, but is yeah. it like dried up in the 60s because of the bad look of the hippie movement? Is that kind of the... the yeah, it was the political thing. It was, you know, the, the hippies. I mean, and I think I totally would have been a hippie back then. Um, <laughs> the, the hippies were about, you know, wake up see what's going on. Look, all that, all that's happening is not such a good thing, right? They were able to see these different things. And I, I think part of the reason it was illegal was because yeah. people were going, Hey, no, this is, this is freeing. This is, we get to say, we get to take action and things like that. And so yeah. I think worried the politicos. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And they dried it up, but it's coming back. Uh, a lot of states are legalizing, counties are legalizing, not even like decriminalizing, call it. Mm -hmm. um, and I think there's a massive movement with that, which is good to see. So yeah. look, I found you because after I went through this experience, I need, I wanted to go through an integration and we chatted a bit after I did, after I did mine, um, which was very helpful. And I, I asked you at that point, Hey, do you mind coming on? Cause I'd love to share this. That's just kind of my thing. And I learned that even more, uh, honestly, in, in my experience that the authentic, the authentic me likes this. It like, I like to share, uh, uh, you know, what's going on to help others. It's the best use of me. The intention I set was exactly that. It was how do I become the best version of myself or what's better yet? What's blocking me from becoming the best version of myself, whatever that means. So if you're, if you're okay, I want to dive in and just talk about yeah. my experience. And like, you know, as somebody who's worked with me on the integration side, I'll say this on video, like, full rights to, to, you know, uh, share anything that I shared with you in our, in our call or whatever. Right. So full, full rights to share everything you want to. Um, so yeah. So for me, I set this intention. Mm -hmm. I did my, I took, I ate these, I had mushrooms. I ate the mushrooms. They tasted like paper. Um, mm -hmm. and then, you know, about an hour into after that experience, I went into sort of a, okay, something's foggy here. I laid down, I had a, a, a kind of like an, uh, what do you call it? Like a sleep mask on, mm -hmm. And I, I just went someplace, right? It was unbelievable the, the depths I went to. And again, the intention the whole time for me was 
Uh, how, what's blocking me from becoming the best version of myself? What sticks out, and there was a lot, this is a little bit ago now, there was a lot of things, but what jumps out to me that happened was that it went like instantly dark. And I don't mean dark physically, mm-hmm. but dark, for lack of a better phrase, almost demonically. It, it felt like this, this negative, heavy, devil-like energy. I didn't see, well, maybe I did a little bit, some imagery, but it, it wasn't like, you know, some guy walked up to me with a tail and a pitchfork, but it felt right. like that kind of energy that started really pulling on me pulling me in particular, and I, I share this with you, to my left. Like I, I remember being like my body, my head, everything was almost like being gripped and dragged to my left. Mm-hmm. Um, and I was doing everything I could not to let that happen, right? Mm-hmm. I was doing everything I could to not allow that because it was like, whoa, this, this is the bad trip. This is the thing that puts me in the nut house, right? Like I'm going to be that guy, you know, arms folded, like shouting out crazy things for the rest of my life. Never see my wife and kids again because I'm about to go into some some evil, evil place, right? Like that's what it felt like to me. Help me. And for those listening, and you've helped me on this, help me understand what that, what that is, how that, what that feel is, this draw to the left. If you could just sort of, you hear that, what comes to your mind as somebody who's done integrations for people who have had this experience before? Yeah. So one of the first things that come to mind is the left side is the feminine. And so, um, that, speaks a little bit like how how do you treat women you know how did you treat your mother you know how about your feminine side do you allow that to come out because we have both sides in us and if it's unbalanced then we get little hits like this and like you know and if I remember correctly I remember you you said it feels sinister it feels like and um and uh what comes to mind too is the way you described it was, oh, and how about this ego? What Mm. is it that draws, like that drives this heaviness and this, you know, because our egos are human parts of us. We, change is not necessarily great, right? Because that puts us in a vulnerable position and and our ego goes, "Mm -mm -mm, no, we're not, no, no, no. And so I think too, that it can also present itself like, you don't want to do this. This is not safe. No, look, feel the low vibration of it because energetically it's a low vibration. It can be. And so for you, it was that piece of, do I look, do I not want to look what's here? Why is this so, so sinister? Why is this, you know, a little bit scary? How is this affecting me in my everyday life? And um, so those were the f- the first things that come to mind is like, ah, the feminine side, how, how are you treating women? How is your ego affecting your connection with women, with your mom, with your, you know, sisters, whoever you have with even, you know, coworkers or cohorts or colleagues, you know, and to to kind of look at that and to say, so tell me about that. How How is that? Yeah. And I'll talk about that because that was something I reflected on quite a bit. Um, I wanted to ask you a bit about the ego uh, Mm -hmm. in this regard as well, because, you know, I think the way I interpreted it was that that sinister, that dark or whatever was was essentially the ego coming out and saying, hey, I want to play here. Like, you know, I, I haven't I haven't gotten the attention that I need or deserve or whatever. Right. And it came at me hard uh, and it tried to pull me. But I didn't. I wasn't a lot. I was doing everything I could not to. Mm-hmm. Why? In your experience, why was I not allowing, you know, this thing to take me? I, 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 well, let me tell you what I, let me take it back. I was scared. 
I was literally scared. I would never see my family again. Like that. I, I yeah. felt that way. Like I remember thinking metaphorically, but almost physically, like I have to grip on over here to this light that I associated with my wife, my boys, my two kids. Mm -hmm. Um, so this thing can't take me any further than I'm going to allow it to. So when I say that, when I said that, what's your takeaway? What's your feeling uh, as far as what I should be thinking about in that regard? Well, so so it's interesting, right? Because you're being pulled and you're trying your hardest, right? Because you have these two, these two opposites. Oh, my love and light of my family and the pull of my ego, essentially. Yeah. And so how, you know, and no, I, I like the light better. That's much better. I mean, the symbolism here is so rich mm. and, um, you know, to feel pulled by your ego and that sense of control and like the ego's like, I want you, this is, you know, this is, this is what it is. No, we're over here. And I think they're at that point too, the resistance was about no, but, but look, it's so beautiful over there. Like I have a new appreciation for what's for my family and my wife, like, no, let me go over there. The challenge there is that ego will keep pulling on you yeah. until you go, okay, let's get to know each other. Fine. I will pay attention to you because you have some gifts for me, mm. you know, some learnings. And so let me, let me try to melt into that. But when you're resisting, you're fighting it all and you can't be present for the light anyway. So you're here and you're having this tug of war and you can't be present, right? Because you're fighting here, but you're wanting and longing over here and you're stuck in the middle. Yeah. And so the first place to go, because the light place will will be there. And I know in in that time, it can be very scary that like, no, am I going to come back? Yeah, yeah. I'm going to get enveloped and I'm going to sit drooling here. Right. Um, and that's why it's good to have someone, you sure. know, with you in the room. Right. Yeah. yeah. And so. um and so at, at that point, then to melt into it and say, OK, can you allow yourself to melt into it just a little bit? Mm. And the way you put like, oh, it needs attention. Like, I'm going to go and feed it. Well, we all know that feeding your ego, depending, isn't all that great, right? Because you could just walk around and puff up. That's one way. The other way is to melt into it and say, OK, what do you have to teach me? What is it? that I need to see right now or let go of right now so that I can be closer to my light source over there. And so part of that is, and I think you made mention a little bit earlier, is that control. So that whole thing was about control. You know, you're standing firm and you're trying to control all of it. I'm trying to control the light. I'm trying to control the dark. I have trouble controlling me because I'm stuck now. And that gives you the illusion of control, but it really isn't control. It's like, I'm, I'm just here. Now, what do I do? I'm afraid to go there. And that seems a little nervous too, but it feels so much better. But I can't go there without dropping this weight on my left side. I never allowed myself to drop that weight. That's the thing. Like I, I explained this to you. I went through, and by the way, you're, you're right. Having somebody there, I had a, somebody that I trusted very much there who had had this experience before that could really help guide me through it. So definitely recommend if anybody's thinking about this, do that. But, um, uh, but I did not let, I, I like to say, because uh, this person was helping me, you know, with this a little bit like of trying to let go. Right. But I probably went like 80%. I, I like to think of it 
if you could picture it, because this might be audio for you, like my hand is cr- grabbing onto this light, if you will. And then I kind of inspector gadgeted my arm and let it let it extend further and further and got deeper in. And, and each layer that I went deeper, I had these high and low levels of like scared sadness and then giddiness once I kind of allowed myself there. But I feel like it was like digging to China, right? Like I didn't dig all the way. I didn't dig through to see the light on the other side, which is why I want to do this again and do another integration after that uh, so I can I can truly understand where I am. But I, I think for me, what you're saying is I needed to let fully, like just let the hand go, not Inspector Gadget it, but fully let it go and just sort of trust fall, if you will, into this darkness, you know, in some ways and allow to allow myself to see what's on the other side of that. Is that a fair assessment? Yeah, I think that's a fair assessment. I mean, it's less of the, you know, that commercial that was like nasty plunge. And yeah. it's, it's less about that. And it can be more gentle. Yeah, you know, with the, with the inspector gadget arm, it was a little bit gentle, right? Because right, but you can actually control that within the journey of like, okay, please let this be gentle. I'm just going to take one step at a time. Going eighty percent is huge. It's eighty yeah. percent farther than you went before, right? Yeah. And that last twenty percent is that. All right, I've trusted the process so far and myself, right? Because that's a big one. And I've let go of expectation. And now this last 20%, who? Like the first 80 was, you know, what could, was pretty challenging. What could be this last 20%? And what people generally find out is if they just allow themselves to kind of float into it and say, okay, please show me. Um, and they have that person sitting with, with them, you know, please show me and just wait and listen. So it's less about grasping and, and running towards and more about being in the state of receiving. And so that last 20% is really a lot about receiving and, and okay, I'm ready to receive whatever message is here. Knowing. This, so what, yeah. This is where intention was helpful too. Cause I was able to remind myself of what it was and the person that was there kind of holding space for me the same. Like I told them what my intention was. So they, they, they were, they were, uh, uh, exp- you know, like at times making sure I knew, cause I, it's funny, like when they would speak up, I would wonder why they were in that moment. Cause I'm in another place, right? Like I, you know, I'm, I'm in like a whole other world, even though my body's just sort of there, but mm-hmm. I, I remember being in these two states of consciousness, if you will, I don't know if that's the right way of putting it, but where mm-hmm. I'm, I'm digging down and mining into this, this ego, this darkness, this thing, and trying to figure out what's the lesson here. Well, simultaneously, there's a person out there, right? Like that's that's watching yeah. and and there, and that they were playing music. It was it was really something. <laughs> it was really something else. It was amazing to be honest with you. But they would say, and then I would realize, like my body was thrashing, like my feet were like pushing into the couch, and I was I was moving more than I realized. In fact, I was exhausted afterward. I had a headache. It was a physical as well as emotional experience for me because my body wanted to control. Like every bit of me is trying to control. That's how I interpret it anyway, was trying to control this movement. And so every time I had to let go, I had to physically sort of grasp. I felt the need to physically grasp and, and you know, thrash a little bit. Not as crazy. It's thrash a little bit of a crazy. I wasn't like, you know, all over the place. Right. But if you can imagine like, um, like somebody's pulling a tooth, right? Like that's what it was like, like you're pushing yeah. into the couch, right? You're gripping and pushing. That's what it felt like at least. And I didn't realize I was doing that until they said, hey, remember your intention. <laughs> remember your intention that I could feel what I was doing. 
So anyway, that was a really interesting uh, takeaway. And and um, and that is exactly it. Like, I feel like at whatever I went, 70, 80%, I feel like now on my next one, I can go there knowing I'm safe there and allow myself to mine further. So I kind of like, I dug the hole, I climbed out. Oh, okay, I, I'm going to come back. And now, all right, I can jump right down to that level, I think, and dig further on the next, on the next uh, experience that I have. So that's my plan. I don't know. Yeah, that's a good plan. That's a really good plan. <laughs> it's it control. Normally, yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> and it normally does take two to three times to really be able to let yourself melt into that. Yeah. Because yeah. The, the first time, especially we've never done anything like this before, it's like, whoa, what is happening to my body? And there is an almost an instant sense of I'm losing control. Yeah. You no. Know, and so they try, you know, people try to grip it. Like you said, that was a great description, the, uh, great <laughs> with the dentist chair, um, yeah. you know. And so, yeah. But then once they experience once, usually they're like, OK, I want to do this again. I get it. I get it now. And I won't yep. be so afraid. You that's kind of where I am. Yeah. yeah. Having never done anything close to that's where I am. So I want to go back to the uh, how you treat women and all of that, because mm -hmm. uh, when you told me that in the integration session, I, I, I mean, you, maybe it's ego. It's like, well, what do you mean? I'm, I'm a good guy. I don't hit anybody. Like it, well, that's the first thing that comes to mind, right? Maybe social conditioning or whatever. Sure. But when we unpacked it, um, I think where I, where I, well, I know, I think I know where I went with it was in this, in this, um, when I did the, when I did mushrooms and I was in my, my, in the ceremony, if you will, um, there was a point at which I saw my sisters and I don't have a, I think I explained to you, I don't, I don't have a great relationship with my sisters to this day. Um, mm -hmm. They're older than me um, and all of that. But I saw them for the first time as not like the people I see, the, 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 the meat bag around them, if you will, like we all are, right? I didn't see them, but I saw this sort of tortured spirit. I don't know. I know this is going to, some people are like, what the heck is going on here? But I did. I saw this sort of, these sort of tortured souls, if you will. And I don't mean tortured in any way that you would think of it, but more you know, when you say about my relationship with women, this is how I interpreted it. And I had an experience the day before that looking back after was like, wow, how I must have come across to my wife. Right. Mm -hmm. So I was raised child of the eighties as the boy, the youngest guy, the youngest kid in the family as well to be breadwinner, provider, protector. You know, you will get married, you will provide for wife and kids, you know, almost, almost implied like they can't, the wife can't, wife has to take care of home. You take care of wife, kids, you'd be strong, man. I don't know why I sound like a caveman, but that's kind of the way it sounded to me in my brain. My, my sisters were raised to become wives and mothers. I mean, that was always that if they had a boyfriend, it was that the boyfriend needed to do this for them, do that for them. And then as they became uh, adults and, and got married, it was like, the husband will take care of you. Right. So my posture toward women, I think has been, or had been, I need to protect, I need to provide for, I need to be in, in, not in charge of, but like, you know, I need to be the one who is strong kind of thing. Mm -hmm. But I, I didn't realize that maybe this is some faction of the ego and denying it a little bit, which is why it jumped out at me as soon as I, I went into this, into this mm -hmm. process. But the day before we had our house painted and the painter told my wife that we needed a roof and it was going to be 15 grand. And he was convincing, at least to her, on needing the roof, right? So she came in like, he's telling us we need a roof. Do we not do the painting? Do we pay for the roof? Just so we're, you know, it's a lot of money or whatever. And like, what do we mean? We need a roof. So I went out, I asked the guy like three questions and debunked completely the need for the roof. Like he was obviously, it was, it wasn't a good look for him, right? It just wasn't. It was like, dude, you, 
roofs don't leak up. They leak from the top. <laughs> like it was that simple, right? So, so I came in, like I just fulfilled my conditioning, man protected, income, wife, right? Yeah, you know, I did all of that. And my wife didn't want to hear it. She's like, all right, all right, just got to leave me alone. And what I learned in this session, like I, in that moment, it's like, okay, whatever. But I did, you know, but how I, how I came across with me, not, a, I guess I would say, it, I feel as though what I learned is my ego didn't get what it needed from my wife, mm-hmm. right? My ego didn't get the, the, uh, the, uh, uh, wow, you're such a big, powerful man and you took care of us. Yay. Like he didn't get that. Mm-hmm. Um, and for me, like the, the rational side of me, if you will, might've been like, yeah, okay, no big deal. Mm-hmm. but. But what she must have seen from me, like actually in the middle of this, I ended up going, going to use the bathroom and I saw my face in the mirror. And because I'm, I'm, you know, for lack of a better phrase, tripping, I saw like an, like an, almost like a sinister look on me. And that was like, oh my God, if this is the outward look, the posture I have for my wife, I never want her to see that. But that's the posture I'm sure I took that day. And I've mm-hmm. taken specifically with women because I'm supposed to provide and protect at least in some level. So that's my ramble. Does any of that make sense to you? How does that integrate as far as, as far as your perspective? Like when I say all of that with what you heard, does that makes sense. Is it like, yeah, that's a rational reason for, or is it like, nah, I think you're missing the mark here a little bit on what that is. No, no. Yeah. I think it's, um, I can, I, th- I think it makes complete sense. Um, especially since the way you grew up, you know, another modality I use is family constellations and it's about the epigenetics. It's about generational cycles and patterns and traumas affecting, you know, us today, especially if those before us couldn't, couldn't heal their wounds. Right. So it's up to us, you know, thank you very much. And, um, and so that makes complete sense because it's, it's in, in part in your DNA, to protect, to watch over. This is what I saw my dad do. This is what, how they treated my sister. So there was a bit of a double standard, right? And, and all that kind of stuff. So it makes complete sense that you bring it into your life this way. The big difference then can be, oh, now I can make a choice. I can still have that sense of protection, but I can present it a little bit better, right? Mm -hmm. So when we really see, and you looked in that mirror and you went, oh, dang, you know, part of the action step and weaving it into your life is, okay, maybe I need to take a breath and say, you know, how can I deliver this message with more loving kindness or, or how my wife is going to hear it as opposed to, ah, this guy, he tried to scam you, you know, I fixed it, you know? And of course she's like, whatever, (laughs) being a woman, I'd be like, okay, fine, whatever. Yeah. Um, (laughs) So, you know, as opposed to, gosh, that guy, you know, he really, I'm not sure he knows what he's talking about. He was talking about, you know, the roof leaking up. And, and so I just asked him a couple of questions and, and we're we're not going to do it because, because we just really don't need it, you know? Um, But the other way it may have her feel like, oh, see, I know more than you. And again, that's part of her responsibility too, right? To communicate that. But it can come off as, um, you know, it can come off as, for example, mansplaining, right? Or, you know, the, the whole ego talk and the whole like, I know things, you don't know things, you know, all this kind of um Stuff. So then at least you're now able to take a breath for a moment or feel it in your body, right? Like you looked in the mirror and I'm sure it posed something physical as well. Like, oh, 
you know? So when you feel that ramp up again, it's a good clue to be, oh, let me take a breath and see how I can maybe phrase it a little better than my first, you know, non um, filtered way. <laughs> right. Yeah. No, hundred percent. And that's uh yeah, that, that was for me a big takeaway. And I remember, <laughs> remember after I went through this, I, 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 I was talking to my wife and, and you're, you're still kind of expanded for a while. Like, it's not like it just, you know, goes up and it comes down and you're fully, fully sober, if you will. Mm-hmm. Um, you're definitely not where, uh, not in the middle of it, where I saw what I saw in the mirror kind of thing, mm-hmm. but still like, I remember saying, I remember Googling it, like how many, I, why can't I explain this? And I Googled that there are 172,000 words in the English language. I was like, well, that's why there's not enough words to explain what I just went through. Right. Like there's just no way to physically explain because a lot of this is happening in milliseconds, right? In real right. time, if you will. Like a lot of these these breakthroughs and epiphanies and these worries and concerns and hearing this person that was sitting in the room with me and it was all happening so simultaneously and and almost like slow motion. It's like that that movie Over the Hedge. You ever see that movie Over the Hedge? Yeah. Where yeah. the where the where the uh the squirrel drinks an energy drink and then like the whole world slows down well, for yeah, him as yes. he like yeah. walks through the laser beams. It was like that in some ways, right? It was really just uh, trippy for lack of a better phrase. But trying to explain all of that afterward was so hard. The best mm-hmm. thing that we did as a couple is my wife did it a month later and then you you did her integration for her after she went through that. And man, like, you know, one, she had her own experience, which I won't get into. That's for her to get into. Mm-hmm. Um, but the the communication after my experience, I feel like was, I was communicating in a different way. Uh, and I, I want to go back to the ego a bit on, in a second on this, but, uh, but she also, you know, having understood the experience I had, but then having her own experience, you know, she and I have had the ability to really, uh, you know what it did? You ever hear husbands and wives deal with this? My wife, like she asks the question and asks for a solution. But when I give her the solution, she says, I don't want your solution. I just wanted you to listen. Like that whole dynamic went away. Like I hear that from so many couples, right? Like, you know, right. You asked me like, what should I do? But no, I wasn't asking what I should do. What should I do? I was just wanted you to listen to me. And I'm always blew my mind. Like, no, 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 you wanted a solution, but it removed that dynamic. And again, 170,000 words. I can't explain why or how I can't physically, maybe you can, and I'll let you, but I can't physically explain how that happens. Um, But back to the ego piece for me. So, so, and tell me what you think of this. Cause I think I explained this to you as well. I never, I feel like I always kept my ego over there because ego is bad, right? Like, don't, don't let that thing, don't let that thing become part of you. And I think something I learned in this was like all of me physically, you know, whatever my true self is, whatever my ego is, it's all kind of one ball of bald white guy, right? It's all this, it's all the same person, right? Um, And I felt like, man, if I allow my ego in to just be a part of me, not to dominate, but just to be a part of me as if, you know, like everything else. Like that's how I unlock and become the best version of myself. Like is the distance of the ego or accepting the ego a big piece that I have to, I have to, I don't know, come to terms with? Yeah. I mean, there's, we have, we have a lot of parts, right? We have a lot of different facets. Everybody does. And any time we deny a certain part, especially one that we deem not so good, I don't like putting labels on things, but you know, we and we keep it away, it's usually yelling at us louder and louder every time because we can't know. It's like it's like burying sorrow. Well, you can't know joy if you don't know sorrow. 
and vice mm-hmm. versa. So to become friends with your ego and to say, like, it's OK, we don't have to be scared here because part of our ego's job is to protect us, um, you know, innate, just innately. And um, and it doesn't necessarily like change, especially if there's a lot of unknown attached to it. Right. Like, where's the control in that? And um, we have no idea. So to be able to to integrate the pieces that you that you find and to say, OK, how can I be friends with you? I see that. Yes. You know, it, it just strengthens the awareness so much in someone when we allow those things in and we look at it and we analyze it and we research it within ourselves. You know, it's it's akin to a, an experiment. Right. So, oh, do I like this kind of ice cream? No. Let me try this kind of ice cream. And so with with the parts of our ego, it's, it's as if we're like, OK, this part is healthy. This confidence is healthy. This integrity is healthy. Mm, This cockiness or arrogance, not so healthy. And so how can I shift or say, okay, we're going to go about it, go about it a different way. We're going to look at how can I be confident, have faith in myself, trust myself. And how does it look different than arrogance that comes out when you like come in and say, I'm the protector and da, 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 (laughs) right? That's a little different than I love you so much. I want to protect you. How would you like to be protected as opposed to I know all about you, right? Because we're the only experts on ourselves. Like I can't tell you, right? Like this is, this is how you should live your life. And I know all about you after talking to you a few times and having you fill out a few questionnaires, right? Because you're the expert on yourself. Sure. And it's and and so then it's a huge thing to become a participant in your own healing because yes, you're the main focus. And you can be the main focus without, you know, putting all the spotlights on you and things like that. So to integrate the ego and to then work with it and to say, okay. This part, I can't deny any more of this. I'm going to let it come in and I'm going to be discerning and I'm going to know, oh, that, oh yeah. Okay. Now that I'm aware that this is the ego talking and maybe I've hurt someone's feelings, I can go back and say, hey, you know, I'm I'm sorry about that because that's where the integrity comes in. Does that make sense? It does. And I was going to add, yes, the, the cockiness, the arrogance, I feel like that comes out uh, under stress, right? Yes. Like that's right. Mm-hmm. So my question would be if in my situation, I was holding the ego at a distance versus kind of allowing it. Mm-hmm. Does, does, and I, there's a secondary question to this. I'll try to, I'll try to figure out how to ask most effectively, but does keeping my ego in check in my mind, or at least I thought I was right. Keeping it mm-hmm. over there versus accepting it. Does either or create the likelihood of coming across cocky and arrogant? In other words, if I keep the ego over there, am I more likely to have an arrogance or cockiness about me under stress? Or if I allow the ego in, or does it not matter? Does the ego just manifest those two things, whether you're accepting of it or you're kind of like I was keeping it at bay? Well, Yes, it can in both instances like crop up, right? Especially in signs of stress, especially when we're triggered by some trauma, you know, it's like, no, no, we have to be big. We have to be strong, right? Yeah. But when we allow it in and we don't keep it at bay, then we're we're able to work with it. Then we're able to 
for lack of a better description, have conversations with it and have an awareness about, oh, why did that come out? Oh, because I was afraid of such and such and such and such. Okay, let's let's have that discussion. Let's see. You know, oh, what is that related to? Oh, I remember when my dad, blah, 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 blah. And so it's just, and it happens faster than it sounds like I'm explaining it. But when when you keep it at bay, it's it wants to keep knocking, right? Much like during during your experience. 100%, it was like, yeah. I'm just getting louder. I don't know, and heavier. <laughs> so are you going to look at me or not? Because here I am. Yeah. And, and it was instant. It was ridiculous. It was yeah. instant. So I'm sorry, continue. Yeah, no, no. No, and it's it's part of us. And and to you know, it, it's about those shadow pieces. We can't have the light without the dark. Yeah. And we can relate different to the dark. We can turn it a little lighter. We can react with it a little lighter. We can explain to ourselves and others like, hey, this is sorry I jumped on you. You know, I had a bad day or, you know, it's just an old thing coming up and, and I'm working on it. You know, so it's it's humbling, but in a way that is empowering. If yeah. that makes sense. It does. It does. It is funny how you said that, how, how, when you keep it in check, like, I, I don't know what I expected going into the experience. I know what the intention was. I want to see what's blocking me. I, I, you know, I honestly, I can't even, I can't even explain maybe what I thought it would be, but like in an instant, as soon as I went into an altered state, it was like, Hey, mother effer, like here I am. <laughs> You know, like, whoa, who are you? Like, yeah. I'm what you came here to see. Like, no, you're not. I came here to see this beautiful light, this great version of me that's talking to St. Peter about this amazing life I created for myself. Like, that's what I came here to see, not you. Who the hell are you? You know, so it's funny you say that. And and the, the second question that I was thinking of, and I, I think I mentioned this to you, it might've been very briefly. Um, and I mentioned to a few other people, but I thought about uh, other people in this, I thought about like Kanye West. I think about egotistical people as you, as we dub them, right? People that are considered to be egotistical. So like Kanye West and now even like Will Smith and the slap and all that stuff. And you're not, you're not doing any of this. You're not working with them. And, and this is more just maybe examples that are, that are popular. But the thing that came to me and, and I don't know was, man, I look at like a Kanye West who we all associate with being very cocky and arrogant and egotistical mm -hmm. and all that stuff. And, you know, I, I don't know him. Maybe he is, maybe he is. And he certainly has a, 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 a the image of being, but I felt like the difference, if you will, mm -hmm. there are a lot of differences between he and I, but one of the differences is he does allow himself to have an ego. He allows himself to, mm -hmm. to, to, you know, like, yeah, I have an ego and my ego X, Y, and Z. And that allows him to ride that ego so close to himself that he can produce uh, significant results in some way, right? Like his music for people, it serves them. And he's mm -hmm. compensated wildly for that, his clothing line, whatever. But when the ego is that close, when you allow the ego to be so much of you, it can hurt like jumping up on stage when Taylor Swift accepts an award. And I don't know if he ever apologized or didn't. And that might be where he he crosses a line in many cases. Mm -hmm. But but I felt like I felt like that was an example of, you know, the best version of you, if you will, being part of what he's done. I mean, he's created an incredible brand and life for himself uh, by allowing himself to have an ego. The other one is Will Smith. So Will Smith, you know, another guy who has an ego, obviously, he's allowed in that he's produced significant results and people are entertained by his music and his movies and all that stuff. But that ego can hurt when you ride it that close. And it did in the case of the slap and he immediately apologized and everything. And I, I took that as a sincere thing. 
Mm-hmm. A- am I am I interpreting that in your mind? Am I interpreting that embracing of the ego and what it can do when you do, but mm-hmm. understand that you're riding it really close? And when you do that, you're allowing and saying, hey, I understand from time to time that if I'm going to not keep this ego 12 feet away from me, but bring it right in. Come on in, brother. You're part of me, mm-hmm. right? It's going to hurt sometimes. Not you, but it's going to hurt, well, hurt you by hurting others at times. Mm-hmm. And allowing for that is part and parcel maybe of my intention of, hey, I might hurt sometimes. I got to know that that could happen and do the right thing when it does. But for me to be the best version of myself, I need to have it here. I need to have it in a place where the sure. not not control keeping it away, but control it from overstepping. Is that, yes. is that fair? Yeah, that is fair. I mean, it is a fine line with the two examples, especially with the two examples that you just gave. And I think also what seems to happen, especially with both those examples, is there are woundings here in play as well. And so, and not just, and woundings of the ego and woundings of of their childhood, which damages the ego, because our ego to survive sometimes has to do that, right? Like, you don't get to do that to me and blah, 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 right? Especially once they get older, whatever, they survived, you know, and, and it becomes it becomes then just this protective shield all the time. And then there's that piece where it's like, well, because of my experiences, look at all that I could accomplish because I'm resilient. I'm smart. I had to be resourceful and all these things. And so that's the empowerment piece. When that line gets crossed, I think sometimes it's when people get triggered when the stress is really high, because you don't, that doesn't have to happen. Yeah, He could have easily, you know, like Will Smith could have easily or not so easily, right. Been like, all right, I'm going to take a breath. I see my wife's reaction. I'm going to go to her and say, are you okay? But there's a lot of dynamics in that marriage too, sure. but in a perfect world. Right. And so, are you okay? I see that that hurt your feelings and the acknowledgement for that, as opposed to I'm going to go up there and I'm going to smack somebody, right. Um, To show that you can't push who I love around. Right. So, so although the intention behind it was, I love my family. I love my wife. You can't say that to her. The action was very primitive and very reactionary. Right. As opposed to let me take a moment and and be humble in this moment mm. right and say my first priority is my wife not to go up and and smack somebody um and again i don't know all the ins and outs of their marriage either but i think that's where the fine line comes in where when you know that that's there because a lot of people aren't aware but doing the work that you did allows you to see it quite clearly you're able to go, oh, is this ego right now? Is this thought right now so much ego? Can I take a moment and breathe so that I don't get up and punch somebody or right, <laughs> or right, say yeah. something that's going to, you know, just destroy the person? And is it congruent, right? Is my reaction initially congruent to what actually happened, mm. right? Because in that example with Will Smith, it, it's not congruent. You know, it was essentially, right? Yeah, and, words and in exchange he, for, yeah. Exactly. And that's why he can go back and apologize. And I mean, that's a good thing that he did that. And um, and that's where the humility comes in, 
albeit just a little bit late, but then he can step back and go, oh, wow, that wasn't cool. So yeah. I need to apologize. And whatever happens then, you know, whatever kind of makeup or whatever is going to happen is going to happen or not. But that that line, I think he, there's a there's a the humbleness kind of keeps that line. And as soon as we go, oh, no, mm -mm, I'm bigger and better than all of it. And so now I'm going to go after it, whatever it is that harmed, whatever it is that I want, you know, whatever it is that I think, because there are so many ways to communicate things, even with only 170,000 words, right, right. right? That, that we can get our, our point across without getting huge and big and overpowering, you know, Makes it's sense. less a power over than an empowerment. Yeah. Or no, completely agree. Man, that makes so much sense. Um, I'm curious, you know, because there's books written about this. So there's a book, uh, I think, called like Death to the Ego. And it's mm -hmm. funny, like after I went through this experience, I felt like, man, that feels wrong to me. Death mm -hmm. to the Ego. Um, maybe I'm wrong, though. So I'm curious, like, it feels more like accept the ego, accept you have one, embrace your ego. Where, where, how do you stand on that? Which, if you were coaching me on that, is it death to the ego? Ego is bad. Get rid of it, or or no, embrace the ego. Like you know, like I'm I'm, I'm struggling with the concept because a lot of smart people will say, ah, that's your ego. You gotta you gotta put that down. You got it's like okay, not smart people, people that I feel are are high performers. They're they're in, you know enlightened in some ways. They've gone through these experiences. They have you know full awareness, not just some tagline. But what is what is the right, in your opinion, what is the right way to to say to the ego, death to the ego, keep your ego in check, embrace your ego? Like, what's the right thing there? Because I'm struggling a bit with that concept. Yeah. You know, I used to I used to be like 100 percent ego death is great. Like you you then form and level up and do do all the different things. And at the same time, we also need our ego. So I think what happens or can happen in an ego death per se is that, ah, okay, I've seen the, the humbleness that I probably would be best to enact as opposed to, you know, going full force and, and being within, you know, all full of myself and whatever, because that's what people think when when ego but but what i've seen over the years now is that you know it's been given a little bit of a bad rap because there is that protective quality there is that mm, that confidence piece that people can mistake for ego right there is you know, because even growing up, I was an elite athlete and everyone would remind me, don't be cocky, don't be cocky, don't be cocky, don't be arrogant. Don't right, be. right. You right. know, but then you collapse into yourself. Yeah. You don't allow yourself at all to enjoy any of the accolades that you receive and and you miss out. So so being able to navigate your ego to be like, yeah, I did a good job and just really own that. You know, it's similar to pride, right? Everyone thinks pride, oh, seven deadly sins, you know, but pride can also be this just amazing and huge love for what you do and for who you are and not like I'm better than you. And so for me that they kind of walk, I, I didn't understand what pride was because I kept, was kept being told you can't be that way, you know, 
And I had my own innate kind of thing, but I also missed out on a lot. So I think, you know, having that ego and that relationship with it is better than death to the ego. You're not going to kill the ego. I really don't. I really believe that. Like you, you can't kill it because again, some of it's here for protective purposes. In my experience, some of it's here to like give you a boost when you need a boost, right? And some of it can be detrimental. Yes, some of it can be. I want power over you, and I'm better than you, so you better move out of the way. Um, which is not great. There's, that's all the way around though, right? Like even, even as somebody who's humble, humility can also be being taken advantage of. You can, you can yes. be a little overly humble, right? And and people walk all over you and yet this shouldn't happen. So it, there's really no like version of you that is the one you should run toward. It's managing all aspects and embracing that you are. Yep. It's the balance yeah. of it all, right? Yeah. Because you, you do need confidence, a certain air of confidence it, to walk through life. Yeah. A, a belief in yourself right? A belief in who you are, a belief in like, oh, my truest self. Oh, I can get there. I can meet that, that place. And, and the ego, when you have a relationship with it, I believe can, will kind of move out of the way for that, that loving kindness to come in or, or that, that piece of communication that you need, you know, even when you're hurting, that you need to communicate, it will come in if you if you allow it, if you have made friends with it, if you because otherwise it's still gonna fight, much like it was doing. Hello, hello. Yeah. You know, we're here. And then that distracts you from everything else. Yeah. Right. Wow. And all you can look at is is that piece. Amazing. All right. Well, we're buttoned up against an hour here and I want to make sure I respect your time. The uh, My wife and I are going through your integration workshop, I guess I would call it, right? Healing Through Constellation um, uh, in a few weeks here. We both see the... We both see it extreme value going through this. And it's funny, I'm sitting here thinking, I, I wonder where people are as they listen to this episode, if this is an intro to this whole world or if it is... Um, something they've been thinking about or exploring or something that they've done, they've gone through and it offers perspective on it. But I've had enough people ask about my experience that I thought, you know what, I'm just going to go on and bring in the person that helped me integrate and say, hey, let's just walk through this. And hopefully it adds value to a lot of people. But where where can people learn more about what you do? What's the, you know, somebody goes through this experience or is planning to go through this and they want to, you know, kind of integrate those learnings into life with you. How would they, how would they find out more about you and what you're doing? So my website's the easiest. It's uh, constellationhealingarts.com. And it has like all you need to know about what I do. And then there's also a way to contact me through there and even a way to schedule some things as well. Yeah, yeah so, 100%. Great yeah. site, lots of great info. And uh, I learned so much from just going through uh, uh, you know, the post experience with you and getting I, you know, a lot of what we talked about now and some other stuff that I know we didn't touch on that I have to go back to my notes on. But uh, I appreciate you coming on. I really do. This was so helpful to me and I hope it helps others. And yeah, I'll see you. Uh, I'll see you at the workshop. Yeah. Thank you so much. This was fantastic. Excellent. I loved every moment of it. Thank you. Thanks again. Well, 
That's it for this episode, but be sure you subscribe for future episodes. Give us a rating and review as well. It just helps us grow the podcast, grow the reach, and give as much value as we can to you on a week-to-week basis. Be sure to go over and check out GoBundance.com while you're at it. Check out Emerge if you're a future millionaire, our elite division if you're in that $1 to $5 million range, or our champion division at $5 million plus. Or on the women's side, GoBundance Women is available for all of you to join an amazing group of millionaire entrepreneurial women. And if you haven't already, jump on tribeofmillionaires.com and order the book that is the namesake of this podcast. And you'll learn all about what this whole GoBundance thing is, what masterminds are about, and the power of community, accountability, connection, and all of that as you pursue your goals. Thanks for listening again. We'll talk to you soon.